Please be seated. <clears throat> so I'm a cradle to graver Episcopalian, born and raised in the church, and I imagine I will be there all the way through to the end. And being one born and raised in the church, if I had a dollar, certainly if I had five dollars, for every time someone said to me, I remember back in the day when the church wasn't fighting, I could easily have retired about 10 years ago. <laughs> People always love to say, you know, before we were fighting about women's ordination or gay marriage or whatever it is, the church was at peace. The church wasn't fighting about these things. Right. Um, if, if you believe that, please come seek me afterwards for some investment strategies I have for you. It's, it's just not true. The church has always fought about something that's sort of what we almost seem to do. You bring lots of different people together, we end up fighting. Now, technically, the church on this side of the world, just so you know, is called the church militant. That is the church fighting. And the idea for that is not that we fight each other, but that we are fighting the world and we're trying to make the world a better place. But sometimes I think church militant might be as accurate for what goes on inside her doors as well as those things that happen outside. We can fight about anything and everything. And just to close that door, it's called the church triumphant. When we get to heaven, that's where the church has won and everything's good. All right. But we're still in the middle of church militant. So we got to talk about that. It's one of those fascinating things that there are moments in the life of the church and even in scripture that we don't pay enough attention to because they have absolutely enormous ramifications on us. But we hear them read and we just sort of skim over them. Today's acts reading is actually one of those seminal moments. In fact, it's pretty much the moment when everyone in this room got to be a Christian, believe it or not. Unless you have a Jewish ancestor, uh, this is the moment literally where the Gentiles were brought into the church in our reading. So we've been going in the last few months or the last few weeks through Acts, listening to how the early church started to organize itself, how the church started to figure out what they wanted to be, who they wanted to be, why they wanted to be, and all that kind of stuff, struggling, wrestling with different ideas of faith. But what really is clear, and we can read, you don't have to even read between the lines, it's right there in front of you if you're reading them, is basically Peter gets sent out to go and preach and proclaim the good news, and as he goes out, he does the same thing that they always did. He went first to the synagogues to talk about how Jesus was bringing forth a new idea in God. And that never went well. Peter tended to get thrown out of the synagogues or beaten and thrown out of the synagogues. Paul did the same. He would go to the synagogues with Barnabas or with a variety of folks, and he too would be beaten and thrown out of the synagogues. And so what they had to do was just go preach to anybody who was around. The Gentiles, all of us, those other folks who were not hereditary Jews, who didn't have those connections. And it was there that Paul and Peter, and for that matter, all the disciples started finding the most success. It was among those folks that started to hear this good news, and they started to stream into the church, and suddenly there was an identity crisis. The church didn't know who it wanted to be or what it wanted to be. And you had two groups, two groups that pretty much came down pretty quickly. There was one group that absolutely said what Jesus did was a part of Judaism. And so if you want to be part of the Jesus movement, you must ascribe to the rules and laws of Moses and become a good Jew. For those grading at home, there are 613 laws of Moses. 
So you have to follow all 613 of those rules and figure out all of them and, and learn to live to be a Jew. Some of those specific ones that they were fighting the most about, and let's be honest, a lot of them were sort of like, okay, we can live with some of this, but <coughs> there were two things they really started fighting about. One was um, no one wanted to give up bacon, basically. Uh, <laughs> was one of those sticking points for a lot of those Gentiles. They had gone bacon and they didn't want to go back. Pork chops are good. I'm staying over. I don't want anything to do with that rule. And the other one, as you might imagine from the men, circumcision was not a popular option to become a new, uh, well, Christian. So they were arguing about those things. So on the other side, you had a group led by Peter and Paul that said, Really, one clear thing, Jesus is coming back in a hurry. We don't have time to worry about all 613 rules. Let's just get these people in here and get them to be part of the church. Let's do what Jesus asked us, love them, and get on through the party because he's coming back next week anyway. We don't have time to worry about all that other stuff. And that's how the argument raged. And it raged back and forth, people yelling at each other, calling each other names, people saying that, oh, well, you're baptized in the baptism of Paul, and I'm baptized in the baptism of Apollos, who wanted them to be more like Jews, and they went back and forth and fought about everything. So again, if you think the church has ever been a quiet, peaceful place, it hasn't. We've always struggled to figure out what matters the most to the church. What are those things that make us Christian? And what are just sort of the other stuff? Believe it or not, it took about a thousand years before we came up with a good word for that. It's a great word that we don't use enough in the church. It's called adiaphora, or things indifferent. In other words, if I wear a collar or not, is a thing indifferent to faith, right? It's nice because people want to know where the priest is because you don't want me, I don't know, some people don't want priests sneaking up on them. Um, so they, they want to make sure you have a collar on. It freaks people out when they find out you're a priest and you're having a drink at a bar. They're like, oh, I didn't know. I need to leave. Um, but there are those things that we get really worked up about in the church sometimes. And then there's lots of things that we start to realize maybe it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we use a white vestment on the front of the altar or not. That's something indifferent. But it does matter if you don't, you're, we're called to love and care for the poor and the sick and the hungry and the lost, those things we say are important to our faith. The church has been going back and forth, back and forth over and over again. And so in that first century, in this moment when we're reading Acts 15, we have a character who should be one of the most seminal characters in all of Scripture. Should be somebody we revere and Love, but he's almost forgotten. God bless him. And considering what he had to deal with, I would bet uh, he deserves our love as much as anybody. And that is James, who was the head of the church in Jerusalem, who also happened to be the brother of Jesus. Now, leading a church is hard, but being the brother of Jesus has to be probably the hardest job in the world. I can't imagine if your older brother is Jesus. Okay, James, why didn't you... Take after your brother here. He loves everybody. Why are you yelling and hitting Michael? Everything in his life was being held up to a higher standard. But somehow he made it through. He's head of the church in Jerusalem, and he's the one who hears it. And he's the one who comes up with the solution. 
He absolutely hears both sides of this argument. Should they be Jews or should they just be loved? And likely he heard in his mind the things that his brother had said for years, including the ones that we heard today's gospel. Love your neighbor as I have loved you. Love them sacrificially. Bring them in. Love them. And James says the same thing. His final verdict is, I believe the church moving forward should work on caring for people versus those particular rules. If only we had followed James's injunction for most of the history of the church. If only we focused on the people as much as we have focused sometimes on the rules that end up pushing people out. James made a distinction, made really a revolutionary decision to say, as a Jew, I have 613 rules I've tried to follow to show my love and respect and care for God and to show my respect and love for my common human. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to make them do it just to prove a point. The point is that we're called to love each other in the midst of it. It's not to say the law is bad. James never says that. But James does say very clearly, let's welcome them in and teach them why it's important to love each other and to follow some of these rules. The message today, my friends, is just that easy, actually, from James and Jesus and the church. How can we focus on loving the person sitting next to you in the pew? How can you focus on loving the person that you go to work with? How can you focus on the person right next to you everyday life? That's a much harder question than these big debates that the church likes to get into. I think that's why sometimes we focus on those debates. Because it takes us away from the really hard work of trying to love the person sitting next to you. So as you go out this week, my brothers and sisters, just try it. Try thinking not about the rules and regulations, the things that we are supposed to do or not supposed to do, whether those are societal or our rules sometimes in the church. Instead, do what you can to love the person next to you. It's probably where you'll find God the most. Amen. Amen. Let us pray together, my friends. Lord, we give you thanks for this day and for the gift of your servant, James. Help us to heed his verdict. Help us to heed his call to love our neighbor, even in the midst of rules that might say we shouldn't. Help us to hear you, Lord, as you call us near and help us to love those near us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.